Welcome to Squawk 5353, the private pilot podcast, episode 18. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the maintenance required for your aircraft, as well as preventative maintenance that you can do as a private pilot. Stay tuned for all this and more at Squawk 5353. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to this podcast. That way, new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your phone. This helps new people discover the show. Before we jump into maintenance, it's important to understand who is in charge. Whether it be an FBO rental or a flying club aircraft, you will want to ascertain that there is a more specific named organization or individual who is responsible for the maintenance. Oftentimes, flying clubs will designate an officer to be responsible for coordinating and scheduling inspections. This can range from general maintenance all the way up to preventative and major overhauls. As an owner of an airplane, you personally are responsible for the maintenance of your aircraft. However, if you are renting an airplane, the owner of that aircraft is responsible. But you as the pilot in command are responsible for determining for each flight if the airplane is airworthy. This means that if an aircraft fails to meet one of its inspections, you as a renter are able to determine that aircraft as unairworthy. As aforementioned, as the PIC, you need to verify the completion of required inspections and maintenance. As a renter or a co-owner, you need to understand squawks. Not squawk code that ATC gives you, but the squawk code so you often will include as a form of discrepancy log. You don't have to squawk something in the log every time you fly, only if you notice something is wrong that hasn't been squawked previously. Some questions to ask yourself while squawking something is, is the affected equipment required by the aircraft's type certificate? Is the affected equipment listed as required on the aircraft's equipment list or kinds of operation equipment list? Is the affected equipment required for the kind of operation being conducted For example, VFR, IFR, or night flight? Is the affected equipment required by any other regulation? And is the affected equipment required by an airworthiness directive? I have a personal story regarding this. Last week I was going out to maintain my night currency. The line guys at the FBO had pulled the airplane out and were fueling it up. And because they were fueling it up, I didn't want to turn on the master switch, so I was waiting to do a check on my electrical equipment. The rest of my pre-flight went well, I sumped the fuel, I checked the movement on all the control surfaces, and everything seemed to be in order. Once the fuel truck pulled away, and I tested the electrical equipment, everything inside seemed to be fine. The G1000 was up to date and running smoothly. The avionics fans were turning on as they should. The flaps lowered when I pulled down the tab, but when I went to do my walk-around light inspection, I noticed that the left position light was out. As I was going for my night currency and not my day currency, my position light was required. Unfortunately, after my extensive pre-flight, I had to declare the aircraft to be unairworthy for night flight, as well as 141 operations. As much as I didn't want to be a burden on the school and flying cub, unfortunately we must follow the regulations and promote safety. This way we make the skies a safer place. First and foremost, you have your annual inspection. 
your annual inspection must be completed every 12 calendar months. This means that if your annual inspection was completed on April 1st of the year 2021, it doesn't need to be completed again until April 30th of the year of 2022. An annual inspection is a comprehensive review of your aircraft's airworthiness and a part-by-part -part look at your aircraft's overall safety. Depending on the complexity and type of your aircraft, as well as the schedule of your AMP, your annual inspection can take anywhere from a few days to a few weeks. For more information about your annual inspection, check out 91.409 in your FAR AIM. If the aircraft you are flying is being used for IFR flights, you must also complete a VOR check. A VOR check must be completed every 30 days. There are a variety of ways to test your VOR. First, you have a VOT signal. With a VOT, you can check your VOR accuracy from the plane before takeoff. A VOT is an approved VOR test signal. You must tune your VOR to the VOT signal and set the course selector to 0 degrees. On 0 degrees, the to from indicator should read from. Next, set your course selector to 180 degrees. The to from indicator should then read 2. The maximum indicated bearing error is plus or minus 4 degrees for a VOT. Next up, you have a VOR checkpoint. Many airports have VOR checkpoint sites that are located near a taxiway ramp or run-up area. These signs indicate the exact point on the airport where it is sufficient signal strength from the VOR to check the aircraft's VOR receiver against the radial designated to the sign. To use the VOR checkpoint, you simply must follow the instructions on the sign. Again, the maximum indicated bearing error is plus or minus 4 degrees. A dual VOR check is often the easiest way to accomplish a VOR check, two VOR receivers. First, you must tune both nav radios to the same VOR facility. Center the needles of each VOR receiver to the two indication. Note the indicated bearings to the station from each receiver. The maximum indicated bearing error is plus or minus four degrees. Finally, you have your airborne VOR check. To complete an airborne VOR check, select a VOR that lies along the centerline of the established VOR airway. Select a prominent ground point along the selected radial, preferably more than 20 miles from the VOR ground facility, and maneuver the aircraft directly over the point as a reasonably low altitude. Note the VOR bearing indicated by the receiver when over the ground point. The maximum indicated bearing error is plus or minus 6 degrees when you are in the air. Then, as a pilot in command, you are responsible to log your VOR check. You must include the date, place, bearing error, as well as sign the aircraft log. Next you have the 100 hour inspection, but this is only required if the airplane is used to carry passengers for hire or for flight instructor in an aircraft that a person provides. As the name implies, this must be completed every 100 hours. Similar to an annual inspection, this is another comprehensive review of the aircraft's airworthiness. Aircraft that fly more than 100 hours annually for commercial use, often have a fair amount of wear and tear on the engine and airframe due to the overall stress of operation. That being said, it's important to have a certified AMP look over the aircraft every 100 hours. You can overfly your 100 hour inspection by up to 10 hours, but that is subtracted from your next 100 hour inspection. For example, 
If the airplane isn't inspected until 107 hours, then the next 100 hour must be completed after only 93 hours of operation instead of 100. Additionally, for aircraft operated under IFR in controlled airspace, they must also have an altimeter and static system test and inspection. This must be completed every 24 calendar months. This means if it's completed on April 1st of 2021, it must be completed by April 30th of 2023. As the name implies, this is a comprehensive review of the pitot static system. Many aircraft owners and mechanics will combine this with the transponder test and inspection, which again must occur every 24 calendar months. Again, as the name implies, this takes a closer look at the transponder. For more information on the altimeter static system test, check out 91.411. For more information on the transponder test and inspection, check out 91.413. The last inspection that's crucial for your aircraft to have to maintain its airworthiness is its ELT inspection and battery currency. Your ELT must be inspected every 12 calendar months, similar to your annual. Batteries on your ELT must be replaced after one hour of cumulative use or when 50% of their usable life has expired. The expiration date for replacing or recharging the battery must be legibly marked on the outside of the transmitter and entered in the aircraft maintenance record. And now under preventative maintenance. As a private pilot, sport pilot, or any higher certificate, you can perform specified preventative maintenance on any aircraft that you own or operate. This does not apply to airplanes that you don't own or operate. Over the past few years, as the cost of AMPs increases, the regulations regarding preventative maintenance has slightly changed. Preventative maintenance used to be a concrete list of things you could and could not do to your airplane. However, over the years, the regulations have slightly changed, which gives the aircraft owner or operator slightly more freedom when performing preventative maintenance on the airplane. While there is a large comprehensive list, some of the most common things include removing, installing, and repairing landing gear tires, servicing landing gear wheel bearings, servicing landing gear shock struts, replacing defective safety wire or cotter keys, lubricating items which do not require disassembly, the replenishing of hydraulic fluid, the replacing of safety belts, the replacement of light bulbs, reflectors, and lenses, of position and landing lights, replacing and cleaning spark plugs, and replacing and servicing batteries. Just because you are allowed to do this maintenance, however, does not mean you always should. If you do not come from a mechanical background, one of the best things you can do is to work with a local AMP to get trained on a few preventative maintenance items before you take matters solely into your own hands. If you do perform the work yourself, you're responsible to record the entries in your aircraft maintenance logbooks. Each entry must include the following information. A description of the work performed or references to data that is acceptable to the administrator, the date of completion, and the signature, certificate number, and kind of certificate held by the person performing the work. The signature constitutes an approval to return to service only for the performed work. As there has been a large push towards home building, and preventative maintenance, especially during the coronavirus pandemic. Many pilots have become familiar with what they can and can't do to their airplane. In the beginning of the pandemic, as airplanes sat lonely in hangars, pilots wanted to ensure that there wasn't corrosion occurring to the aircraft. 
Under the provisions provided by preventative maintenance, these aircraft owners and pilots were able to preserve their aircraft until they were able to begin flying again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode on emergency procedures. For a link to all the resources used in today's show, check out the show notes. To access the show notes, simply click on the cover art for this podcast and the show notes will appear. Also in the show notes is a link to my Patreon. If you haven't done so already, please consider donating to my Patreon. This podcast takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you were able to financially support the show. Finally, make sure to share this episode with anyone who you think might enjoy the show. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353, and let's make the skies a safer place. Thank you.